said, you have to work as hard to be a great teammate as you do to be a great player. Today on the Rising Coaches Podcast, we got the opportunity to speak with the current assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at IUPUI, who is also a member of the Rising Coaches organization, Coach Johnny Montella. Coach Montello is in his seventh year as a college basketball coach and had previous stops at Walsh University in various roles as a graduate assistant all the way through assistant coach. Johnny then moved on to Eckerd College for a year where he helped with landing nine very strong recruits, which ultimately led him to his current position at IUPUI, where he begins his first year. Please welcome Coach Johnny Montello. Our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball are here to help you take your team's training to the next level this season. Get an exclusive discount on the in-game changing features on select Dr. Dish Rebel Plus, All-Star Plus, and CT Plus shooting machines by mentioning the Rising Coaches podcast or let them know that the Rising Coaches organization had sent you just to get your exclusive discount. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Rising Coaches podcast and a Rising Coaches member spotlight. I'm your host, Doug Caputo, alongside Alan Major, and we are excited to speak with the current assistant coach and recruiting coordinator with the women's basketball team at IUPUI, Johnny Montello. Coach Montello, what's going on? How are we doing? Y'all excited to be here? Welcome, man. Welcome. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. So to give you an idea of kind of what we'll talk about, one, we'll start into your um, playing coaching career and your journey that what kind of got you to where you are now. Then we'll talk a little bit about since, as we mentioned, you are a Rising Coaches member, you know, a couple of things that that maybe has helped you as well as, you know, some next steps that you maybe you have in mind for uh, for the coaching industry. And then we'll talk. We'll get into our uh, three quick hitters just to kind of give everybody like a basic idea of who you are to first th- start things off. I want to bring it back to Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. He starts out first year, plays at John Carroll University, and then ends up going over to Hiram College um, as well. And then even founded and coached an AAU program in Cleveland that went on to compete at the national level, um, AAU circuit, which ultimately went to the national championship and then Sweet 16 back to back years. So I know I kind of threw a lot in there, but talk about one, your playing career that kind of led help lead into your uh, coaching journey. Yeah, I think I just fell in love with the grind with playing, man. I uh, I mean, I could take it back to high school even. Um, you know, didn't get a ton of playing time my sophomore year even. I had some good older kids ahead of me, and I just, you know, fell in love with the process of working. Um, my head coach, uh, Brian Force, was awesome. Um, he was the coach at Aurora High School for a long time and then Lordstown High School. And um, just talking about process over outcome and, you know, 90-10 stuff, you know, life's, you know, 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. And, okay, so you didn't play. How do you react to that? How do you respond to that? And a lot of those kind of lessons, you know, that I learned just wanting something so bad, um, you know, at such a young age and working for it and learning what, you know, that takes to get to where you want to get to. Um, I think I try to be contagious with those kind of lessons onto our players now, um, still to this day. But, um, yeah, so just really fell in love with the grind, ended up having a pretty okay junior year, definitely better. Um, and then a, an awesome senior high school parlayed into, you know, going to John Carroll for that year. Great Division three program, Doug, obviously, you know that. Tons of tons of similar friends with you there that we made and got to, you know, hang out throughout the year. So that's been amazing. But 
Um, you know, ultimately, if I could go back, transferring probably wasn't the right decision for me. But 18 year old kid, man, I always try to keep that in mind nowadays. You know, 18 year old kids going through things away from home for the first time. Not that I was that far from home, but um, <laughs> you know, still, you know, give myself a little bit of grace. Um, try not to regret it. But, you know, hindsight, I wish I knew. I wish I knew then what I know now. Um, but anyways, head over to Hiram, play for a really cool guy, Steve Fleming there. Um, he's not there anymore. Um, and then Chris Hibbler as well. So, you know, that was a challenge um, also at Hiram getting a new coach. Um, you know, that's something you don't think about when you're going through a recruiting process that you're not going to be playing for that. So then, you know, all of a sudden I'm on my third coach in three years. And that was, that was definitely hard just to adjust and confidence wise and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, you know, obviously playing in college, that that was a, a humbling experience. Doug, I think you and I had different experiences because, you know, you were relatively successful in your college career. I really wasn't. Um, I was a bench player. I was a great teammate, worked my, you know, worked my butt off and um, was really good in the weight room, really good in all the workouts, was a great leader and everything, but, um, you know, didn't necessarily have a lot of success on the court. Um, so that was hard making that adjustment, going from being the man to having to, you know, be a support role, right? Um, but I think it really helped me with coaching going forward. So if that's something that, you know, from my playing career, I could take away. I think it would be that at the college level, at least just being positive, being a light for my teammates every day, being a great teammate is so hard. Um, I was just reading something. I forget who said it, but they said you have to work as hard to be a great teammate as you do to be a great player. And I thought that was really cool, especially when you're going through things and you're not playing and, um, you know, it's not going the way you want it to. Right. So, I think that's something that I learned from my college uh, college experience. So that kind of sums up some of the stuff that I learned from my playing experience. I know it, and I probably already know the answer to this, but like going through that experience of like, like you said, tough, not playing as much. Yeah. You're always trying to be ready for the moment that you don't know is coming, that you, yeah. you hope it's coming, you know, on the bench. Right. But how has that helped you now as a coach, as you coach, six, seven, eight, nine, ten on the bench, you know, that are, you know, they know that they're at some point going to play. They don't know how much yeah. every game takes a life of its own. Right. So like somebody turns an ankle now, all of a sudden the rotation changes. Like, so how, 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 how has that helped you? Like what you went through in college, has, has that made you a better coach coaching the bench people as opposed to the starters? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Just um, getting better every day. It's such a long season. Um, you know, basketball is so long. You could be a, a bench player in September, but by the time March comes around, you're seventh man, right? You're in the rotation. Or starting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the time, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, especially young kids, too. And what I went through, like, you know, with them, like going in with expectations to play a lot as a freshman and a sophomore. And it's like, what was I yeah. thinking? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. What ego right. is that? Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Johnny, like, chill out a little bit, man. Um, so I, I think that, you know, kind of, I like to think that I'm a positive person for their, uh, what they're going through mentally as well as on the court. You know, just making sure they're staying up. Wait, yeah. it's going to be okay. Be patient. You know, your time's going to come, whether it's this year, next, whatever it is. Um, just keep getting better every day, right? Goes back to that 90-10 uh, uh, theory. Just get better every single day. Control what you can control. You know, if you're working really hard, make it so we're stupid not to play you, right? That's the classic, 
cliche quote, you know, just keep going, keep plugging away and try to have a positive attitude and be a great teammate along the way. So I do think it helps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. I, I was just talking to a coach about this the other day about, you know, because retention now is in the back of everybody's mind, right? Like, oh, yeah. especially for that six, seven, eight, nine, ten, is like, okay, you're trying to always plant seeds and put them, put them by the window so they do catch some sunlight and keep right. watering them so they keep growing, you know. But like, yeah. it was funny. I was talking to somebody about it, and I'm like, I know every every coach thinks about that now, about like, gosh, yeah, I got to keep coaching my bench. Let's keep getting them better. Keep pouring into them so they don't leave. And I was like, well, if we didn't have this retention issue, isn't that how you would want to coach them anyway? Right. Yeah. Good point. Fair, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't, you know, kind of don't. Yeah, that's fair. Think, don't think retention that I want to coach the bench and get them better every day. Like, coach the bench and get them better every day because they're and on get the them. team. <laughs> just because they're there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're going to help you, like we just said, at some point, you know, you're going to need them. <laughs> And we're, we're seeing that right now with our team right now. We've been pretty banged up. And, you know, people are having to play bigger roles quicker than maybe they thought they would. Um, and you just next man up, right? Next woman up, whatever it might be. And, um, yeah, so for sure. For sure. And then, I mean, I can even get into a couple stories. But I, I'll, I'll spare you the details and the, and the, um, the stories for now. And, and we'll kind of stay on track. But from there, okay, you finish. You move on to a graduate assistant position at Walsh. Uh, yeah. Two years, but then you end up staying for longer, another year as a full-time assistant. And then for at Walsh, you're able to, um, you know, make tournament regular season champions. And just talk about your experiences, you know, some things that you've learned from there being at a, at a strong program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's pretty funny. Uh, I actually, so I want to talk about how I got the job at Walsh real quick because I think it's really important. I was coaching for the summer at Aurora High School because I, I, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I coached one year at Aurora High School. And I knew I wanted it like, on the boy side and I knew I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a grad assistant. I didn't know how to get into it at all. No clue. Um, I didn't have a lot of connections, um, you know, and I'm coaching. And then we went to a, a team camp at Finley, um, University of Finley in Ohio. And, uh, you know, we're there all day. We're playing games all day and stuff. And I see the college coaching staff, the Finley men's staff there. And I see this kid who's a grad assistant. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go talk to this guy. And I was terrified. You know, I don't know why. Like looking back now, <laughs> yeah, like whatever. But I was so scared. I was like, I gotta go talk to this guy. I gotta pick his brain. I gotta see if I, you know, what I could do to get a GA job, whatever. Um, so I go. I end up mustering up the courage. I go talk to him for like five, ten minutes tops. Super nice guy, Caleb Williams. He's uh, still coaching on the men's side. Um, super awesome guy. But um, so I start talking with him a bit. And he's talking about his experience. And after hearing what he's, he does and everything, I'm like, okay, this, I'm all in. This is what I want to do. So I get his number. I don't really hit him up right away or anything. Literally a week later, he texts me randomly, just a week later. It's like, hey, would you be interested in coaching on the women's side? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I didn't ever thought about it, but yeah, why not? He's like, there's a job open at Walsh University. And I'm like, oh my God, it's an hour from my house. It's a grad assistant job. And like just from that one conversation of talking to somebody and finding the courage to talk to somebody, I was nervous, man. I didn't. I was so nervous. I was like, I'm so annoying. I don't want to talk to this dude. And, and now eight years later, I'm with my same boss, you know, at a division one as her top assistant. It's wild. 
So that's kind of how I got started at Walsh. And, you know, shout out to my boss, Kate Bruce, you know, being with someone for that long, eight years coaching with somebody's crazy. Um, she's she's excellent to work for and get to learn from. And um, obviously we've had a lot of success and that's been super fun. But at Walsh, um, obviously climbing my way up was great. It goes back to, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier, just, you know, keep grinding, keep pushing, be the best, you know, you are in your role. And I was the grad assistant, then I was the second assistant, um, you know, which was full time and super exciting. But, you know, I, it was uh, really cool what we did at Walsh. Um, I'll skip over my year away at Eckerd for right now and kind of lump Walsh into one experience of, you know, six years there. Getting to four straight NCAA tournament appearances, you know, you win a couple conference championships, um, you know, having that success is, is just so special and so rare, I'm finding. Like, we, had, we just had a good winner's mentality there. Um, Coach did an excellent job recruiting some good kids that were starters for us for four or five years, you know, because of that COVID year. So we had a really solid core group. Um, it was a, a, a player coach team in a way, too, where, you know, our leaders were teaching our freshmen that, you know, there was only Coach and I and a GA our last year, um, our grad assistant handled. Like, so there's only three of us trying to teach everything and, um, you know, having leaders that were able to, you know, they've been there for four years teaching along the way was was really helpful. Um, and there's such a confidence. Confidence was so big at our time at Walsh. Like um, the one year they went 28 and two is actually the year I was gone at Eckerd. But, um, you know, coach talks about all the time. We went on a 26 game win streak. Um, you wow. know, it's, it's yeah, that looked right into the next year. It was the COVID year. Um, so the tournament got cut. They're number seven in the country that year. The tournament got uh, cut. Of course, of course. Yeah, but um, right into <laughs> Uh, next two years, we went on runs as well. So um, that was exciting. But when we were confident and we were on a win streak and we felt like we were untouchable, oh, my gosh. I mean, that energy, that confidence just oozed out of us. And, and you know, we won a lot of games because of it. Um, not that we weren't doing other great things. But um, it just comes back to the fact that, like, the mental side of coaching in basketball is so important. Like, we can give them all the nose in the world, but if they're not confident, they're not going to play as well. Whereas – Maybe we give them less and, and they feel like they're going to roll this team. Guess what? They're going to roll the team. Like No question. You know? <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, it was really exciting. Super cool experience, though, especially that last year um, going to uh, the Division II Sweet 16. Um, it was a really exciting year. I think at that point we had won 20 or 18 in a row or something, um, uh, you know, during that year as well. So going on runs like that was super fun. And then. We had a really good team in our conference, Ashland University. Uh, a lot of respect for them. They uh, just won the D2 National Championship last year, um, our first year away from there. Um, so we actually finally beat them after years of not beating them. We beat them in the uh, regular season, and then uh, they got us in the conference championship, and then we beat them in the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament. So such a roller coaster of emotions. But, um, yeah, and they're, they've been the staple of, you know, Division II women's basketball for years. So to be able to compete with them and beat them and, you know, uh, again, tons of respect for them. Actually, I don't think they've lost to a Division II opponent since. Um, they went undefeated last year. And, uh, yeah, so they're a really good program. But um, super cool experience. And, uh, you know, being a stone's throw away from, you know, making the Elite Eight was pretty cool. So It's not bad. Yeah, definitely not bad. Yeah, And then I have to circle back to you kind of mentioned, too, and I feel like I say this all the time. Most recently, okay, we had a game Tuesday, um, or I should say a couple days ago, and then the day before, I spoke with one of my players, and I said, the reason you're not shooting so good isn't because your your mechanics or your anything changed. It completely was your mind. 
And then the very yeah. next day of practice, he comes in, absolutely lit it up, and he looks at me and just he just starts smiling. And then the next <laughs> game, he's been shooting absolutely terrible. And the very next game goes in, absolutely sets a, you know, what just goes off. Had about five or six threes that game. And it's mm-hmm. just one of those. And I'm like, so what changed from day to day? And he's like, my, my my mentality, my mindset. I'm like, it was completely your mindset. Your shot never changed. Yeah, there's one little thing we tweaked, but like it wasn't anything major. It was always there. So I'm I'm happy you said that. I am huge on the psycho psychological side of things. I love that. Right. Just because as you mentioned, if you don't have the right mindset, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. So. It's so cool to hear, you know, just because when when we get to make a difference, obviously we're not on the court. We can't make layups, we can't make shots, we can't make free throws for them. <laughs> To be able to make a difference and impact the game in that kind of way is awesome. And I think mentally is the best way to do that for sure. Something that I think is really cool that um, I learned when I was, I think, a freshman in college. Uh, it was a point guard college thing video. And it said um, after every practice and game to uh, if you're struggling with confidence, this is for um, or shooting, whatever it might be to um, write down uh, five to ten things that you did well. Right. Because players so often focus. On the negative what did i could what could i have done better um you know you get that question all the time as a coach what can i be doing better well let's have you focus on well first and keep doing that and and do that really well but so i started writing down things that i did well and it really helped me just mentally um and i tried to have some of our players do that we have two of them that um i i have kind of doing that right now with a little bit and i think it's helping them i think it's helping them staying consistent to it's hard you know every single day staying on them for it yeah but, um, when they text me five things that they did well at practice and I got them thinking about what they're doing good late at night rather than, you know, focusing on a negative. I think it's making a big difference. So uh, I think that's a cool one to to bring up. I was just going to say half the time you're more of a psychologist than a basketball coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You know, I, I was fortunate enough, Johnny. Um, I spent a year at University of Texas with the women's staff uh, doing player development and yeah. um I, it made me such a better coach because um, you probably heard of this name in women's basketball circles because he uh, I think he coached Michigan State last year when the coach stepped away, Dean Lockwood. Okay. Yeah. And, and before I went to Texas, I spoke to him on the phone and he said, I, Alan, I just want to let you know, you know, there's a bit of a psychological difference, you know, between males and females in terms of just coaching. And he said, you know, guys need to play well in order to feel good you know females tend to need to feel good in order to play well interesting and and what he meant and what he meant is guys can have stuff going on but if he goes and gets 16 and eight assists like hey yeah i'm good like hey where's my phone you know what we about to do tonight let's have some fun whatever that's fair as opposed to sometimes females need to be clear and they need yeah. to kind of get things out on the table and, you know, something's irking them. They need to kind of get rid of it. And then when they're clear and free, then they really go hoop, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and I found that, I, I found that to be true. It was, it was, a, it was, a, I'd never thought of it because I'd never coached females before, but it made me a better coach because from a communication standpoint, women are apt to more share things and, right. you know, yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more. And so um, I just thought that was an interesting dynamic. I don't know if you found that at all, but um, it, it really made me a better coach going through that experience. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting. Uh, I never really thought about that um, comparison wise, like specifically, but that's um, that's a really cool perspective for sure. And I coached on both the men's side and the women's side that one year at Eckerd. And, um, 
you know, I get asked all the time, like, what's the difference and stuff. And I think the best answer is that there's a lot more similar than different. Um, I think that you're going to get your egos, you're going to get your great kids, you're going to get your, you know, unconfident kids on either side of it. So, but I do like that approach that you just talked about. Um, I think that I, from first glance of hearing it, it does feel like that's true. When our players have stuff to talk about it and get it out in the open and get them clear, they, they definitely perform better. So um, that's a really interesting take for sure. And I think guys are probably the same way, to be honest. It's just which, you know, maybe one gender is a little bit more willing to share right. and get it, right. get it out. You know, guys are you know going to maybe put the wall up a little bit and that wall's eventually – able to be broken down and chipped away at it's just a little bit more challenging you know uh, from that standpoint so absolutely for for sure we we put our guards up a lot (laughs) yeah no doubt no doubt and then i know we were so we were talking on walsh i know we got a little sidetracked but that's fine i mean i think we got some good stuff out of that then then um following walsh you moved down to florida and as you yep. mentioned a couple of times, you head down to Eckerd College. So, and you brought in a recruiting recruiting class. And one of the things I saw was nine players, all ranging from all state to Division One transfers. And um, just talk about your experiences at Eckerd, but maybe even if you can even touch on some things that you don't obviously have to give all the beans, but some things that you did re- for recruiting that maybe helped you guys get those big transfers or Division One. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, shout out to the coaches down there, Brian Galeski and uh, Marcus Bryant. Um, those were the, the two uh, chief, Marcus Chief Bryant. He was the associate head coach there and kind of the recruiting coordinator at the time. So him and Coach uh, Coach G kind of definitely led the way. But, you know, I was still learning as far as recruiting uh, went when we were down there. But, yeah, we brought in nine kids that year during COVID, <laughs> which was crazy. Um, like COVID hit that, that March. So we had a couple of kids. Um, but then obviously, you know, kids transfer and stuff and now the world's ending and we're having to recruit. Um, so we had to do some <laughs> crazy things. I think what I learned that year was just the grind of it all, the grind of recruiting. I mean, coach had me drive six hours up to Georgia one day to watch this kid play and drive six hours back because we had to leave the next morning right away. So, wow. you know, you're driving 12 hours in a day to see one kid who like we didn't really think we had a shot at this all-state kid in Georgia. And we end up getting it. Right. We went the extra mile for him and we get him and he's one of their best players now. It's two, three years later, whatever he's there and killing it for him. But yeah, you know, just that extra mile stuff with recruiting was so important. Um, you know, making personal yeah. Thousand miles. But uh yeah. uh just all that kind of stuff. Like uh, I do graphic design as well. So, you know, personalized graphics, cutting them out, making them look awesome, letting them see themselves in a Jersey here. Even if we couldn't get them on campus, especially during COVID, you couldn't take the pictures. Right. Um, So I'm spending an hour cutting out the Jersey, putting it on a kid, putting them on a cool background. And, you know, I don't think that everywhere, especially at the division two level, that other people had the staff that were doing that. Um, So I think it made a big difference in, in landing some of those kids. And then, relationship wise too i've always been a part of like really young energetic staffs um and i think that's so helpful to be relatable especially again when you can't sell the campus because they can't visit you know especially that happens yeah. with a lot too because it's quick like they gotta they gotta get there and and see you and see how you interact with the staff like the coaches i'm saying right um if you guys are arguing or uh, have low energy or awkward, but 
mm-hmm. play for that person. <laughs> like, well, no. Like, so I think just uh, kind of being yourself a little bit, bringing the personality to it and being genuine, like, you know, we are a young, energetic staff. We have nothing to hide. I'm talking about our, our staff now. So it really helps us, like, just being ourselves, great personalities. Um, and, and at Eckerd, I think we did as well. Chief's excellent at relating to kids. Same with BG, you know, and, and I, I was really young at the time. And on the men's side, it was so easy to relate to kids. I was 24, 25 years old and, you know, telling them my experience with transferring and how I regretted it, Try, you know, getting some of those kids to come, you know, back off the fence that we had. And then also, you know, talking to the kids just about what to look for. So um, I thought that was uh, definitely a interesting time to recruit. We were doing like, uh, if you remember, everyone was doing the like home uh, visit thing, like over the, over the computer, right? You got your whole PowerPoint yeah. and so that was a whole nother thing too you know i'm recording these videos putting together this thing on the videos our our captains telling hey thinking of a name hey jeffrey you got to come here like this place is awesome you know just personalized things really made a difference during that time and um i I think that's something i try to keep doing now so it's pretty cool I was going to say, I feel like that's always something big that people love to see. They love to see their pictures, especially kids nowadays. They love to take the pictures and, and put them in their jerseys with the backdrop and throw it on social media and say, thanks, shout out to this school for giving me, you know, a look and all this. So try on all I the try on all the shoes. Yeah. 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 And as much as like it's annoying sometimes, give the people what they want. That's what they want. <laughs> that's what they want. If you're not going to give it to them, somebody else will. And they're going to go there. So you got to play yep. the game. Uh, yeah, play the game a little bit. So, yeah. And then I know you touched on it already, so we won't go back into it. But following Eckerd, you go back to Walsh, and then now where you currently stand, um, yeah. IUPUI, and you were there for six. Now this will be your seventh year. Um, and just talk on your time being there, but then you know also in that stint, beating the number two team in the nation, going twenty-eight and five at one point, Sweet Sixteen appearance, and just some of the other things that you learned and, and your experiences so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that stuff, um, you know, kind of at Walsh, um, I, I touched on it a little bit already, but such a great run um, going to the Sweet 16. Felt so cool. You know, we were so close to, um, you know, the end goal for years with that team. I think I mentioned earlier, we had that core group of five starters that was there for four years. And every year we got a little bit closer, right? We made the tournament the one year. We got to the round of 32 the next. And, you know, we're getting a little bit better. Then we get to the Sweet 16 and, man, we were right there. We were right there we were up by seven in that sweet 16 game with four and a half minutes left and blew it um but no the other team (laughs) yeah so uh still that one still hurts a little bit you can see it in the eyes you can see it in the eyes you're just like uh uh anyways um that turned into the job at IEPUI um which obviously you know reaping the benefits of that run and that team um you know with obviously moving to the division one level and everything like that. But yeah, it's such a really cool experience getting to be part of success so early in my career. Um, I think it gives me uh, a mold for the rest of the way. Right. You know, yeah, obviously I'm still with the same boss and we're trying to replicate that success here. We're trying to bring that same success uh, to the mid-major level, which has its challenges. Um, right. There's different ceilings for a mid-major team as opposed to, you know, a division two team where, you know, the national championship was the goal. Whereas, you know, you might have to be a little bit more realistic at the mid-major level. And, you know, the goal is to obviously still win a championship, make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, that's that's kind of where the goal lies right now. So um, 
but being a part of success is so important. I mean, you learn a lot from your players too, because you got to think about it. Like, yeah, we could talk about everything that we did right as coaches. And, and guess what? We did a lot of things wrong too. <laughs> like, you know, but our players were doing a lot of things right as well. And was it because of us or not? I don't know, but um, they were doing a lot of things right. And you need to try to get your players now to do those things that successful players did as well. Um, so I think that was, you know, kind of gives me a lot to go off of. So. And a lot of times their right covers up for our wrongs. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like the better they are, like, yeah. you know, we can do, we can do some stuff, but they, their, their, their ability to play well sweeps it under the rug, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. We had a player, uh, Shay Carter. She, uh, she, her last year is weird time. And so she had one year left after we finished up at Walsh. And uh, she wanted to go play Division One, so she went down to Florida Gulf Coast, um, which is where my head coach, Kate Bruce, played at. She was an All-American there. Um, so she uh, played and coached for the coach down there, so similar system, similar everything. So she's like, this is a great fit. She thrived at Florida Gulf Coast, first team all-conference, coming from a Division Two to D1. They went to the NCAA tournament, won a game, I think. She's playing overseas right now. She's a stud. But talking about people that made us look good, I mean, she she covered up a lot of and – yeah, she's uh, she's an excellent player. Um, very lucky to have uh, got to coach her. But anyways, the weird timing was that we were in the running for the IUPUI job while she was transferring. It's like I can't tell her because we want her to stay at Walsh if we don't get the job. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. So, we want you to come with us if we do get the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, weird timing. Uh, obviously, didn't work out in our favor. We worked out for her. She had an excellent last year, um, and yeah, she's doing a really good job. So. Uh, yeah, it was really cool getting to coach her. And we had a couple others that were excellent like that that made us look good, too. So Yeah, man. Absolutely. Love that. No, and especially, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning, too, you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't necessarily have the success as a player, but you definitely have the success as a coach, and you're still a young coach, too. Um, so it's it's great. It's great to see you thriving, Johnny. It's great to see. Thanks. Um, Thanks. So one thing that we'll kind of talk on now a little bit, I, I don't want to get too in-depth on it, but then just primarily, like, rising coaches – um, if if that's helped benefit you in any way, and I'm, we're not necessarily trying to market the company more or less, we're just trying to give everybody your story and and see how it's helped you because I'm sure it's touched or helped or and you know everybody in a different way. I guess first things first, how long have you been a member of Rising Coaches? You know, I've heard about it for a long time. I've been a member for a little over a year. I finally uh, signed up for it. I met Andy Farrell a long time ago working Dayton camp, um, so I started yeah. here about it um, and he's just awesome so you know i've looked up to him since i was running those camps um years ago and uh you know i'd see it once in a while and then i wasn't in a financial place to even pay the membership fee when i was ga and stuff like that and then uh, i didn't even realize it was women's as well so then when i realized that last year i was like oh my god wait what like i'm i gotta gotta be in this but um so yeah i've been a member for a little over a year which has been great. I've met a lot of cool people from it. Uh, the final four was important for that. Um, yeah. The women's final four section right there um, down in Dallas last year. I met some people through it. Um, I also think something else that's cool, uh, a cool benefit from it is uh, obviously you're around your staff a lot, your, your other coworkers and everything like that. But to kind of talk to other people and get to be around other people that are going through something similar as you is really beneficial. Right. Because, I mean, geez, we're all out here chasing this coaching dream. Right. 
I say it a lot, like to my family, like sometimes being a dreamer is a little bit lonely, right? You're moving to different places. You're going through things that other people don't understand. You know, my buddies are working nine to fives and, you know, they don't have to think about anything when they go home from work or on the weekend. And other people don't understand what, what it is. So getting to be a part of something where you're surrounded by others that understand you makes you feel a heck of a lot less lonely when you're going through this. So um, I think that's just a really important aspect that people don't talk about enough with with these connections and things like that. So, yeah, I see you smiling. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. No, I mean. And, and honestly, it's so funny, man. And this is kind of completely off track, but one of the <laughs> things that just popped in my head, I was looking up your, um, when you were at JCU, your picture, when I was doing some research, oh. I had to look it up, your picture. <laughs> my guy had the big, it was kind of like an Afro, big curly <laughs> hair. And I'm just laughing. I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, look how far we've come now. You know, look at us, <laughs> look at us. Just, um, went old but, school, man. Jackson 5 had the old Michael Jackson. <laughs> you you know, had to bring that up, huh? You just had to bring that up. <laughs> Oh, Johnny, of course, of course. We had a wig no, but, night at high school. They had a Johnny Montella wig night, and everyone wore Anderson <laughs> wigs. It was super embarrassing. Uh, had the flow. Yeah. So I guess the next thing that I have final question that I really have till we get into our final segment, unless Alan has anything, is for Coach Johnny Montella. So what are the next steps? Obviously, I'm sure you want to move up, maybe even find your head coaching. But like, what are the next steps for you? I'm going to give you a non-answer because for a while I yeah. was trying to get ahead and getting too far ahead and kind of got away from, you know, obviously I'm a walking cliche, but being where your feet are, right? I got away from that for a little bit. Um, I think for me right now, it's just being a star in my role here, right? I love my coach, love where I'm working. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave for anything that, you know, isn't an ideal situation. Right. And that's hard to find coaching. So, um, yeah, I think I'm growing still here. Second year division one, um, you know, we're going through challenges that we didn't really face before at Walsh. We had so much success. It's like, uh, there was something I heard the other day from, uh, I was watching the Cleveland Browns game and it was about Russell Wilson. They were talking about, they're playing the Denver, uh, Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson said, you know, they were really struggling. I think they were one and five to start the year or something. And he said he was in his car praying and he pulled over and he said, you know, God, you had me on top of the mountain for so long. You know, why are you putting me through this? Um, and the theory he came back to is that you can't mountain hop, right? You got to build it back up. You can't hop from one mountain to the next. Um, so I, I feel like um, I'm invested in kind of creating this, uh, getting back to the top of this mountain that we're on right now. Um, obviously if something comes up, something comes up, but I, I'm where my feet are and I like, uh, I think I'm in a great situation. You hear things sometimes about other coaches and, and their bosses and things. And I'm like, Whoa, that's mm -hmm. what you're going through. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through that. I, I, you know, and, and when you work with someone for so long, you know, you just have a certain rapport with them. I know what coach wants from me and, um, I'll, or off the court, I don't have to really stress. I just have to, I, I've been doing it for years now. You know what I mean? So the thought of doing that for somebody else, I just, I don't think I'll ever work for another coach. Um, you know, I think Doug, like you said, hopefully a head coaching job within the next five years or whatever, but um, you know, there's, there's no rush whenever the right situation presents itself. Um, I think I'm in a good spot to be able to wait that out. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a great, great answer. Great approach, man. I mean, I think, you yeah. know, a couple of things, like sometimes, you know, you can the overconsumption to become a head coach can, you know, supersede being a good coach, right. you know, and if you keep on focusing on being a good coach and the best coach that you can be, 
then when that opportunity comes, you're going to, you've kind of prepared yourself already. And the beauty of what you guys did at, at, you know, Walsh is like, you know, you build a beautiful sandcastle at Walsh. Well, Mm -hmm. probably sometimes feels when you're starting over, it's like the sandcastle got washed away. Yeah. But you still remember what it looked like to build it. (laughs) Yeah. So what you're doing now Uh, is like little by little, uh, you're shaping like, hey, I know what it looks like, you know? So you guys are going through that process again. And that can be actually as challenging as challenging as it is. It's actually fun because it, you you're it, it's making you so much better and you don't even realize it sometimes like you look back and say man like we had it pretty good you know yeah. and now here, here here's yeah. these issues and things that you got to battle but those things bring out the best in you so it's actually the challenges are gonna you know they're gonna pay off for IUPUI the same way they did at Walsh it's just looking different the way you go about it right you know, kind of you kind of traveled on freeways at Walsh a little bit. And now you maybe have to take the side streets at EPY. It is what it is, you know, but you'll, you'll get there. You'll still get there. It's just a different path. Yeah, absolutely. I love that analogy. And I think it's cool too, because I'm in a different role now because obviously coach built it up at Walsh, right? Um, I was a GA, you know, very, you know, important doing a lot of stuff, but a little less involved than I am now. There's a little yeah. bit more stress this time too, you know. Sure. Um, you're sure. involved with everything, but you know, I'm getting to really do it, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm hands on everything, getting to do it, and I, I'm just learning so much. Uh, I really yeah. am. So, uh, For it's, sure. It's, uh, it's an exciting situation to be in. Good stuff, man. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. No, this has been great. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll cut to our final segment. Really, all it is three quick hitters and just basic questions to kind of get to know you. Um, okay. But then also a little more in regards to uh, we'll sprinkle a little bit of basketball in there or maybe even necessarily success wise. So um, for the first one, what is Johnny Montello's number one goal in life? Oh, wow. Number one goal in life. OK, off the rip. Uh, unreasonable happiness. Um, there's a book that I read recently, um, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I don't know if anyone's. Oh, read. man. Yeah. No, not yet. Yeah. No Classic. And, yeah, that's what it's all about is this this idea of unreasonable happiness. Just, you know, uh, there's one analogy that stands out. Um, he's like, imagine yourself at the bottom of a lake, right? And there's all these rocks and things falling in it. And there's all these ripples. You could be worried about all the rocks and ripples, or you can just watch them and be like, I'm good down here. It's not going to hit me, right? Those ripples aren't my problem. Um, so life's going to be crazy. Um, obviously, um, you know, I've been through some things that are really hard to be, you know, go through, um, especially in the last couple of years. And um, I think what I've learned is that I can't control it. I want to be unreasonably happy with my job, with my home life, um, you know, kids one day, all that stuff, you know, everything you could think of. I just want to be unreasonably happy. I want to be uh, the best version of myself. And I think that's what that would look like. So. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody had told you 10 years ago or 15 years ago that, November 29th, 2023, you get to do exactly what you love to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You'd say, sign, sign me up. Exactly. Yep. I feel like I'm so, on a path towards it. Right? Sign me so, up. Yeah, exactly. Yep, 100% for sure. So we'll go next one. How do you personally define success? Ooh, you're throwing them at me here, Doug. It's a tough one. I honestly, I just changed that one as we're sitting here. I'm like, you know what? I kind of, I have a better one. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> I, 
yeah, thanks, Doug. And we'll say, yeah. we'll say, we'll say personal success, not You're necessarily. <laughs> personal success. Okay, that changes it up a little bit. Personal success. I, I think just uh, I, I'm very much a people pleaser by nature, and that's something that I, I need to work on a little bit. But to me, right now, what my personal success looks like is. Um, you know, being a good son, being a good brother, being a good uncle, good boyfriend, you know, good in every role, being a star in every role that I'm at, um, being a great coach. Um, the friend thing's really important to me, um, being a good friend, because I think that we're all growing up and when we're in this profession where we're so busy and we talk to so many, so many freaking people all the time um, that we have to talk to, right? And it's like, oh, another person, right? But like your friends are going through things too. And I do think that sometimes when people aren't chasing their dream, like people, some of my friends have these nine to fives that they're not really loving. And they're like, gosh, your job's so cool. Well, you can get a little bit depressed and you got to look out for your people that were with you all the way, right? Um, and just keeping up with your friends, being uh, being a good, uh, good person in every single world that you're in. I think that's success to me, so. Um, and making a difference too. Um, and if you're doing that stuff, then you are, but like just being a light for people, right. Making a positive impact on people. That's why we're coaching. Right. And, uh, but it, it goes into every part of your life. Uh, um, you know, every person you talk to, you got to try to be a light for them. So I wouldn't have asked these if I didn't knew it. I, I knew you'd knock them out of the park. That's why, that's why I was, especially you're, you're just dropping gold nuggets over here for us. Um, Thanks. And then the last one is just like a best piece of advice maybe you've received growing throughout your career. And I know yeah. you mentioned some, but. Yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll bring it all back together here for us. Um, I guess it comes down to courage to talk to people. Right. And, and that's how I got the job at Walsh. That's how I'm standing here talking to you guys today. Cause I mustered yeah. up the courage to talk to somebody. Uh, it's so scary to network and to go after something that you want. It's so scary to dream. Right. And talking to people is part of that dream, networking. Like, oh my God, for years I'd hear like, you got to network, you got to network all through college and stuff. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, okay, so I'm supposed to kiss ass? Like, sorry, I don't know if I can say that. But um, it's that. <laughs> you can be genuine and just be excited to talk to people. Um, and I think that those relationships are really what's going to help you um, along the way. I mean, I, I talked to a guy for five minutes and he gave me a career years i mean it's pretty wild if you think about it and every time you pass on one of those opportunities you're missing out on something that could be great um so my best advice and uh, that i've learned along the way is just to have the courage to to talk um and and yeah be yourself too you know with it so one conversation one conversation one handshake can change everything it's just I mean, eight years the way it is different state know a whole group of different people that are my family now too like i mean it's crazy it's crazy yeah yeah, yeah. no i i completely agree i mean I, that's even how i got one of those jobs with the cleveland cavaliers you know i i told the story before with alan i think i said well, one of these but literally playing in a men's league started talking crap to a guy next thing you know he's over there bringing me in for an interview he goes hey yeah no i i, I like the way you play yeah come on in i'm like okay um yeah but it, it's I'm like, I don't know how that spiraled into it, but hey, OK. Um, but so the final this one kind of ties into that was just like your best piece of advice. This is more or less the best piece of advice for just young rising coaches. You can kind of reiterate what you just said if you want. Um, I know they're kind of back to back the same question in a sense, but okay. young rising coaches, best piece of advice trying to get their foot in the door. And then how can they accomplish that um, advice? 
as far as like getting your foot in the door, um, I, I'll reiterate the fact of you got to talk to people. Working camps was huge for me. Yeah. Uh, I think that was really important. I like I mentioned those Dayton camps where I met Andy, and now here I am. You know, crazy. Um, but try to reach out to people. They need help. Um, you, if you got to be a volunteer assistant for a year, you got to be a volunteer assistant for a year. If you got to be a GA, if you got to move somewhere, you, it, it takes sacrifice. So be open to experiences. Um, you know, when I was starting out and trying to be a GA, I didn't know I wanted to do the women's side and now I love it. And I'm going to stay on the women's side my whole career, most likely like, you know what I mean? So you got to be open to things and, uh, and talk to people. So I'll reiterate that. And then once you have your foot in the door and you are somewhere, just, just be a star in your role. I mean, I think that's what really good GA I've climbed up with the same coach for all these years. And I left for a year and my coach wanted me back because I was good at what I was doing, right? I was always going back to the mile, seriously. Like, it sounds stupid, but maybe you're, uh, I remember a story that my coach said about me in front of the team. So she asked me, it's so simple. It's literally so stupid, but um, a graphic of our stats at what we were at Walsh um, of the stats from a game. And we do like screens for scores and this other stuff. So like, you know, it's a lot of stats, whatever I make it. And I also make it look good. I put a, a Walsh logo on it, a cool background and stuff. And, you know, when we go down to the team and, and she's got, she goes in front of everybody, she goes, I asked Johnny to make these stats and look what he did. He made it look awesome for you guys. That's why he's going to be successful one day. She probably doesn't remember that. She said that about me, but that's, that was four years ago. And I still just try to do all that extra stuff for her all the time. Um, and then with that too, um, you know, you're there to make your boss's life easier. So, anticipate what they they you know might need that week that month whatever it might be and you're not always going to be perfect at, at that i mean there's times where i totally miss things that my coach needs it's not a flawless system but try to anticipate try to get ahead of things and just uh put in that extra effort that would be my best advice so yeah that's great gold man absolutely great love it, love it. well does anybody have any final comments anything before we get to the closing statements uh, I just want to say thanks again, Johnny, for jumping on, man. We know it's a busy time of the year, and uh, hopefully uh, kids can get healthy that are banged up. But um, just We're personally, yeah, but thank you uh, just for jumping on. This was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess uh, I appreciate you guys, of course. Very happy to be here. But I love what you guys are doing. This is great. I mean, how cool for coaches going through you know, this career to have something that they can go to for, you know, motivation, inspiration, just cool dudes, just being around cool dudes, something to listen to. <laughs> How awesome is that? So thank you guys for what you're doing. And, you know, very lucky to uh, be a part of this and be a part of Rising Coaches. So thanks, Johnny. No, we appreciate you. And obviously yeah. you sharing everything that you have. I mean, like I said, there, there's been some great information in this. We'll definitely hopefully some people will listen to this and you never know. There can always be some people that uh, can change. Their My mom will. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it again for another episode of the Rising Coaches Podcast. Coach Montello, thank you again. Uh, and then Doug Caputo, Alan Major, keep working and keep rising, coaches. Video analysis is expensive, and I'm sure your budget isn't getting much bigger. Fulcrum Tech is here to help. Used by basketball teams at all levels from D1, D2, D3, all the way to high school. Their Angles product is similar to what you know and allows you to code, capture, and analyze with ease. All you have to do is import the raw video and synergy with just the click of a mouse. Over the past two years, over 60% of their D1 teams and conferences, such as the SEC, Pac-12, American, 
A10, or even the MVC, just to name a few, have made the postseason. All this while saving thousands and thousands of dollars a year compared to their old companies. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want to save more money? All you have to do is reach out to at Fulcrum Tech on Twitter or reach out to their sales at sales at fulcrumtech.com via email and be sure to mention if you are a Rising Coaches member or the Rising Coaches podcast. Do more, spend less with Fulcrum Tech. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in with us this episode. If you are not a member, want more content, or even be a potential member on our member spotlight to have your story heard, go visit risingcoaches.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Rising Coaches. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review so we can continue to keep rising together.